Hello and welcome to African Joe Paddy. My name is Ife and I'm recording from Creole in Scotland. Today we're going to be talking about overdosing on multivitamin supplement in the post-COVID era. And we have a really amazing guest to speak to us today about it. Ifedola Isimeme Olojo. Ifedola is a clinical pharmacist at the Nigerian Institute of Medical Research, Lagos, Nigeria. She received her first degree, Doctor of Pharmacy, PharmD, from the University of Benin, Nigeria, and second degree, MSc Pharmacology from the University of Lagos, Nigeria. She has participated as a poster presenter at the International Pharmaceutical Federation Congress in 2015 and 2020. She was awarded Most Outstanding Youth Member in 2013 and Best Pharmacist of the Clinical Sciences Department in 2018. Her professional interests are HIV care, infectious diseases, digital healthcare delivery, and nutrition health. I mean, you would agree with me that we have a perfect person with the right expertise to speak to us about today's topic. Welcome, Ifedola. Hello, everyone. Thank you for having me, Ife. It's good to be here. Um, thank you so much for saying yes and volunteering your time and expertise to speak to us and our listeners. So I'll just go straight to the point and ask you, tell us what what, what has multivitamin got to do with COVID and, and what is this about overdosing? Well, as we can all remember, the whole world was in the complete shutdown in the year 2020. Then COVID had started in Wuhan, China in 2019 and gradually spread across Europe, America, and Africa. And being a viral infection, everybody was told about boosting their immune systems, sanitizing, wearing the face mask. And of course, when you boost your immune systems, you need to take something and what most people were buying were supplements, multivitamins. I know because these things are bought over the counter, there's really no control over how much you can get as an individual who walks into a pharmacy. Because, and compared to other drugs like anti-diabetes anti drugs or hypertensive drugs, it's, it's controlled. You have to have a prescription to get those drugs. Same thing with antibiotics, you need to get prescription, but with multivitamins or supplements, it's over the counter. So you go there, you tell them you want a supplement, and then they give it to you. Nobody really knows whether you're taking two or three or four tablets. Except uh -huh. maybe when you have a conversation with the pharmacist at the pharmacy where you procure your drugs. And because of that, and nowadays we have most of our multivitamins and supplements coming in chewable forms or oh. in gummies, which yeah. are very sweet. So the possibility of overdosing with them is very, very high. And because most of all these 
multivitamins or supplements, they come in different um, doses. And as we get older, our daily requirement changes. And for each individual, your physiological state also determines the quantity that you require. Most people just buy these multivitamins and supplements without even putting all this into consideration. And the possibility of overdosing comes into play. Mm. Because the whole throughout the whole COVID season, everybody was boosting immunity with all sorts of things. Some people came down with illnesses which were not even associated with COVID, but associated with overdoses with some of these multivitamins. Okay. Well, thank you so much for sort of giving giving us a highlight of you know the journey and the reasoning behind maybe someone or uh, people you know deciding that they might try a multivitamin as a way of maybe preventing contracting um, COVID. I guess one other question I'd like to ask you as we carry on with the conversation is. What are some of the impacts of this overdose? Because of course, if if it's if it's multivitamin, there's this obviously I'm not an expert in, in the field, but there's this assumption, oh, can it do any harm? So what do you think are some of the impact of, of uh, potentially overdosing uh, on a multivitamin tablet? So um I think I would like to also put let people understand the differences between supplements and multivitamins because the two are always used interchangeably. Supplements are usually okay. a mix of vitamins, minerals. Supplements can come in completely herbal forms. Uh -huh. Multivitamins are just a mix of different vitamins from the vitamin A, B, C, D. So people should know the difference. Not everything is a multivitamin. If it's a mixture of vitamins, like vitamin A, B, C, 2, F, or K, that is a multivitamin. Mm -hmm. But when we have supplements, it's a mix of multivitamins and minerals, or it could just be a completely herbal mixture. So that's what we call supplements. But we have supplements that have multivitamins in them combined with other herbal remedies attached to them. So I think I need to make people understand the difference between the supplement and the multivitamins. Yeah. So for multivitamins, multivitamins are usually classified into two. We have the more water-soluble vitamins, and then we have the fat-soluble vitamins. With the water-soluble vitamins, that is the vitamin B complex and your vitamin C. They make up the water-soluble vitamins. When you take these vitamins, that is the vitamin Bs or the vitamin Cs, because they are water-soluble, the body only takes in what it wants, and then it's excreted when we carry out the process of urination. Yeah. So the possibility of overdosing with water-soluble vitamins is very minimal. Okay. But in some rare occasions, like with vitamin C, if you take an overdose of that, it could lead to purging and begin to have severe diarrhea. Yeah. So you have some people who walk into 
your facility complaining of diarrhea, you now begin to ask them questions. What have you taken? What have you eaten? What do you drink? And you find that some of them have overdosed on vitamin C, and that is why they are coding. So this that so that's just for the water soluble. But for the fat soluble vitamins, we have the vitamin A, we have vitamin E, we have vitamin D, and we have vitamin K. Those are fat soluble. It's very, very easy to overdose on those ones because those ones are deposited in our adipose tissues. Uh -huh. So for vitamins like that, it's important to know your recommended daily intake, which is specific for you. Yeah. That's why the physiological state of the person, which is if you're pregnant or you're not pregnant, the age of the person, the sex of the person, male or female, all your physical activity determines the required dose for you. And those are things you need to discuss with your doctor or your pharmacist. So you know you're taking exactly what your body needs. Because when you overdose on fat-soluble vitamins, it's deposited into our, our body tissues, our fat body tissues. And because it's not excreted through urination, it's just, it just stays there. And from there begins to lead to other health conditions which could have impact on our bodies. For, for vitamin A, if you overdose on it, you could have itchy skin, you could develop headache, you could be dizzy, some people even begin to have an increase of bone loss with vitamin A. Oh. So in situations like that, you know, a lot of tests have to go on. And you know, for those of us in developing countries, we don't even have the facilities to run all those tests to even bring out that issue that it could be an overdose of vitamin that this person is taking. So it's important to know that apart from having a healthy diet and if you must take like a vitamin A. For men, 900 micrograms per day is just enough for them. And for women, 700 micrograms per day is just enough for you. That's just your daily requirement. Except if you need an increase of that based on maybe your health condition and then the doctor or your pharmacist insists that, oh, I think we need to increase this for you because of your health condition. For vitamin D, for people who live in countries where they don't have a lot of sun, huh. people like that are advised to have a vitamin D um, supplement added to their daily nutritional intake because they don't tend to have enough of the sun. And even for those of us in Africa that have a lot of sun, we've all started using sunscreen. So we don't we even block the absorption of the vitamin D's in our body as well. Yeah, yeah. And of course, if you now begin to overdose on your vitamin D, it, it has a way of affecting your normal appetite. You might just feel that you don't have a good appetite. It's an overdose of vitamin D. Hmm. And then having maybe poor mental um, reasoning is also a side effect of an overdose of vitamin D. And for vitamin D, as you get older, your daily requirement increases. 
So those are things that you need to also discuss because I tell, I always make my clients understand that yes, we yeah. bought over the counter, but drugs are also chemicals in the body. So when you overdose on them, it has an adverse effect on you if you're not careful. For vitamin E, there's really, it has a way of um, affecting our, our other drugs. So, and, and I know a lot of um, gynecologists usually recommend vitamin E for people who are having reproductive issues. Hmm. So it's important that when they're running tests, they give you exactly what your body really, really requires. Because there are certain drugs, when taken with an excessive dose of vitamin E, it affects the absorption and the metabolic rate of some of these prescription drugs. I don't want to go to medical because I have I know we have a wide variety of people listening to us. Uh-huh. And for drug for vitamin K, you know, vitamin K is very, very important in, as a blood clotting factor. Yeah. And usually you can get your vitamin K from your spinach, your broccoli, your from cabbage, olive oil, and canola. But sometimes in severe cases, when you, you begin to overdose on it, that's because that could lead to liver damage in, the, in our body. So it's not just an excessive intake of alcohol that or taking drugs that are not, um, that have effect on liver. An excessive dose of vitamin K can lead to liver damage in the body and also affect your clotting time. So you find out that when you are bleeding, your blood doesn't clot to stop the bleeding. It keeps, you keep going, you keep bleeding and everything has been done to, to stop the bleeding. But you keep, because you, have, you keep bleeding, if somebody who's experienced in the medical profession could not decide, like, let's check for your vitamin K. Is yeah. there a problem with your absorption? Or is there an overdose? So those are the kind of side effects that could occur when you overdose on some of all these vitamins. But it is rarely occurs with the water soluble because most times the body only takes the water and excretes it out through urination. So the fat soluble ones, by the time you begin to over begin to have an increase in take of this over time, it's not something that happens immediately, it's an over time period, then the effects of this toxicity begins to manifest in individuals. Okay, well, thank you so much for um, explaining this to us. And, and, and one can only imagine, you know, when someone might have overdosed on this or have taken more without necessarily realizing it, the dangers or the damage it might um, do to people. But I also want us to sort of <laughs> talk about this from a different perspective. Obviously, we understand the potential damage of overdosing even without knowing that you're overdosing. But there's also this risk of potentially having fake um, or substandard um, supplements. I mean, is this the case? Because I can imagine um, in an open space where people can gain access to this, not actually at pharmacies, but on the road, 
So is it possible that there might be substandard um, supplements, of course, that is also available to people? And could this then be causing further damage? Yes. Like, well, for developing countries like Nigeria and other African countries, we find a lot of chemist shops. That's what we call them here. They're not pharmacies. We have people who probably are pharmacy technicians in school and decide to open a little shop and then they call it the chemist shop. They sell a lot of drugs, which are usually substandard. And I will say they are substandard because they don't follow the recommended storage conditions of drugs. When you get drugs, after going through, because when drugs are produced, they go through all the various tests, stability tests, fragility tests, to ensure that they are stable enough at a specific temperature. And because we know our own temperature, we produce what's comfortable for our own kind of climate. So the storage conditions are also put on the packs. So anybody buying and stocking, any professional pharmacist buying and stocking, he knows the temperature in which he keeps all his drugs. Every standard pharmacy, if you go in there, you will know that they're always air-conditioned because the drugs have to be at a particular temperature. But most of all these chemists or roadside stores that sell them, they don't do all that because they don't have the knowledge. So the contents, the pharmacological content of these drugs are affected. So most times, they are not even taking any drug anymore. It's just plain chop in the body, which of course, over time, begin to form toxins in our system. So we find out that nowadays we have a lot of people coming down with a lot of kidney issues, liver issues, because of toxins they have absorbed over time, They're taking drugs that are substandard. Huh. Thank you so much. So I guess with, with that potential risk of taking substandard multivitamins without knowing, people can be actually doing further damage to themselves. So the question then is, what can we do? What is the advice in terms of, okay, the recognition that people might still want to take multivitamins, especially given that, well, COVID is still very much around us. What advice do you have? for gauging, especially if you're not taking it based on the advisory of the doctors. So if I, as an individual, was interested in taking a particular multivitamin, how do I know the right one? Is the advice always to consult a doctor or is there like um, a, a dosage that is safe, if I can put it that way, so long as it's not substandard and so long as you buy it from the right place? I think the most important thing is having a balanced diet. Nothing is more important than having a balanced diet. Most times, everybody has become really late with all the fast foods. We should try to have our, our meals properly balanced. Okay. And then when you are buying, and then the second thing is when you are buying drugs, it's important to buy from a pharmacy. A registered pharmacy. All pharmacies always have the RX sign all over the world. That is how we identify pharmacy. And once you walk into a pharmacy, you know you're talking to a professional. 
So before you get anything, supplements, vitamins, any form of drug, you have to discuss with the pharmacy. By the time you begin to discuss with the pharmacy, because the pharmacists are trained, by the time you begin to discuss with them, they ask you specific questions. Like if somebody walks into my pharmacy and says you want to get for I'll ask, is there a particular reason? Is there a health condition you want to manage? Is it recommended for you by a doctor? So, or is there some activities you're into that requires you to have an increase intake of vitamins? No, basic questions will be asked and that will now channel them to determine which most vitamin is best for you as an individual. Most times, it's not everybody that requires but by the time you have this discussion with your healthcare provider and certain things are discussed, questions are asked, the responses you give, now channels it directly to, okay, you might not need this particular vitamin. This is what works what, what for you. So, so that's why I said, first thing is having a balanced diet, which is very, very important. And second thing, buying your multivitamins from a registered pharmacy premise. Those two are very, very important. Okay, thank you so much for that. But I guess maybe I'm asking this question the other way around. But is it is there even any logic to it? Will, will taking multivitamin prevent us or anyone from catching COVID? Because I, I was reading the other week about a man that was... Um, hospitalized for vitamin D overdose and they didn't actually realize it. They went to their nutritionist to talk about some of the side effects they were having and the nutritionist had to advise them to get to the hospital like immediately. Otherwise things could have, he could have done more damage to himself. And I mean, the, the idea around it was he was taking it because of well, COVID. So is there any valid point to maybe uh, uh, taking multivitamin would help us so would prevent someone from contracting COVID if they take all the, you know, the precautionary measures like um, wearing fixed masks, social distancing, and taking the multivitamin. Is there any validity to it? Well, that's a very tough question to answer. Because <laughs> even, with, even with the COVID vaccine, we're still coming down with COVID. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think best thing is getting your COVID vaccine, taking all the precautionary measures, but your face mask if you're going to a crowded area, social distancing, having making sure your hands are washed, sneezing to your elbow. And if if it makes you feel safer, you can get a multivitamin, but of course it's important to discuss with your pharmacist or your doctor so that you'll be guided to taking what is right for you don't overdo it. I had mentioned that now at the, lately most of our multivitamins come in form of gummies and are also in chewable tablets. So it's so easy to overdose in them. Most of all these gummies are made with a lot of sugar. So if you are diabetic, I will not advise you to get it from because they're made with sugar and they're so sweet. That's why I, I, I mentioned earlier that it's important that 
see your pharmacy because by the time they ask you specific questions, you're properly guided to what's best for you. Because what could be best for A may not be best for B, despite the fact that they are they are siblings. Their physiological states will be different. Yeah. But of course, we all know that COVID is a viral infection. It always it will always run its full course, which is 10 to 14 days. The only multivitamins just probably will make you feel better, faster, compared to when you didn't take anything at all. But of course, having a proper diet and having enough, drinking enough water, and of course, exercising, that also helps to boost your immune system. So not just taking your multivitamins that will boost your immune system, being physically active, doing exercises that are good for your own health condition will also help to boost your immunity as well. Okay, well, thank you so much for the advice. And I mean, it, it's helpful for me to know that because, well, as you noted, um, COVID is still very much around us. But I'm also sure that it's, uh, it's useful for our listeners to know. I have one final question, and, and that question relates to the fact that there is evidence to suggest that, and I don't know why this is the case, that people tend to um, run the risk of overdosing. I don't know if, if maybe this is because of high cost of um, going to hospital or healthcare or the fact that healthcare is not necessarily free in, in Nigeria and so many other African countries. Um, but I say this because I know, was it in 2018 or 2019, you know, there was this documentary about uh, Sweet Sweet Codeine. A again, this whole idea of self-medication and then the fact that it's available meant that people started becoming addicted to it because, of course, um, some of the um, properties that is in the medication. So I wonder whether you think there's any correlation between... Um, um, maybe lack of free health care and the risk for, you know, a big group of the population risking overdosing or self-medicating, which I think is quite common in, in many parts of Nigeria. The cost of health care is very expensive. So we have a lot of people self-medicating and um, because the regulatory process is really poor, we find that a lot of people who are not properly educated in the medical profession are the ones who go around giving advice to people. Most of the time, we find mm. people, nurses, we have nurses who are not properly trained in the educational institutions call them auxiliary nurses. Those are the people that you find in the grassroots, generally. Yeah. So when somebody is not feeling well, just tell you, local and you can meet that nurse. She knows what to give. And they all just walk in there, pay high minimum amount of money when compared to when you're going to the hospital. I know most of our hospitals, there's a very long waiting time, which can be really, really frustrating. So we are there for hours waiting to see a doctor. And now with the 
breakdown of healthcare in the country. A lot of doctors are leaving the country, a lot of healthcare professionals are leaving the country. So we are at the mercy of all these half-baked healthcare professionals who are taking over the healthcare sector. And they are cheaper. Mm. And there's no long waiting time. So those are the people that more or less give all this different healthcare advice, which really have no business. And that's why you find out that at the end of this, most times when some of these patients come to us eventually, it's usually very, very bad. Because it's the wrong person, wrong kind of drug, which have adverse effects on their system. So healthcare is very, very expensive and break down a lot of doctors, nurses, yeah. healthcare professionals have left. So we are just left with half big healthcare professionals who have taken over the system. Fortunately, regulations have not been so optimal lately. So the average grassroots individual interacts with these people and they are going to them all sorts of advice. How to manage their health. And they are the ones that stop most of all these jokes at poor conditions. Yeah. So most times, even if it was a good job when they bought it, because it was not properly stored, it's, it's not effective anymore. Like for drugs that are cold chain, there's no lights most times in some areas. And then you're buying an anti diabetic drug like insulin, which is meant to be cold chain. Hmm. Of course, by the time you're getting it, it's, it's it's all gone. There's nothing left, and you're just injecting poison into your system. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much, really. I've learned a lot from listening to you, and uh, I wonder if you have any last word for our listeners as we um, finalize our discussion today. Well, I will advise everyone, despite the fact that this is the post-COVID area, and vaccines are available. Those who haven't taken their vaccine, it's important to get vaccinated. It will help to prevent hospitalization if you eventually get COVID. Mm -hmm. Eating proper meals, balanced diet, your vegetables, your fruits, that will help. Being physically active, having exercise, getting your daily, and even if it's not daily, at least two or three times in a week, exercise and Good to know which exercise works for you. Don't overdo it. Know your be moderate in everything yeah. you do. If you must get supplements or, or vitamin or any kind of important, you go to registered pharmacy. You see the pharmacist, have your discussions, and then properly diet. And of course, wear your face mask, crowded areas. Be safe. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much. It's really been uh, a, a pleasure listening to you, speaking to you and learning from you. Um, to our listeners, um, thank you so much for listening and we hope that you can join us again soon. Thank you very much for having me. Today. You're welcome.